You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. In the midst of death, life prevails. Life prevails. Death is no match to God who's already taken care of it through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Still, my heart breaks. Our hearts break when we experience death. And there's been so many going on recently. And in this time of year, it's so especially hard. And so today, I prepared a message on death. And part of me asked Pastor Doug even, should I even bring this up? Because there's so many deaths happening. Suicides. Death, end of life. So today, I am going to go there with great sensitivity Let me pray before we keep going, guys. Father, I ask for your peace in our hearts, Father. That peace that just surpasses all understanding, Father. That it just pour into us. So much so, Father, that it would overflow from all of us to each other. In your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Familia, probably one of the most powerful things that you can offer is your presence when it comes to death and supporting those that have lost somebody. A lot of times we want to speak like these profound words, right? We want to say something like over the top to help somebody who's dealing and grieving with death. But I want to tell you that your presence, your presence is probably the most powerful thing that you can provide in the midst of death. So thank you, familia, for being present today here with us. You know, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I used to like have some trouble with this particular verse. I used to say, how can we be blessed? How can I be happy? How can I be fortunate? Well off. That's what blessed means. How can I be that when I'm mourning? You know, there's death going on all over the place, all over the world, in our city. Do we mourn those that we don't know? We really don't. We mourn those that we love and that we know. Could it be that we are blessed because we have known them and had the chance to love them? Could it be that we are blessed because we have been loved and known by that person? And it says that we shall be blessed, that we shall be comforted. Speaking of the future, a future tense. Could it be that we are going to be blessed in the future because we are going to see them again? I believe that for sure. I believe that for sure. And so today we are gathered here at City Tribe 
to celebrate and mourn the life of someone very dear to our hearts. I have definitely been blessed by this person to have been loved and to love this person. All of us here at City Tribe have been blessed. And all of us are going to miss this person very, very much. There's going to be an empty chair in here for a long time. A long time. This person who is no longer with us is you. Yes, you. You. Have you ever thought about your own death? Have you ever wondered how is it going to happen? Will I live a long, full life? Will I die in some accident? Would it be some type of disaster? A war? An illness? A disease process of some kind that's going to shorten my life? And what will people say about me, about you, at your memorial service, at your funeral? Are they going to say, Nice things? Are they going to say loving things? Are they going to say he was one of the most awesome brothers? She was one of the most greatest sisters. Grandparent, just so awesome. Loved her. Bestio, bestia. You know, as a hospice chaplain, I come alongside many who have been given a prognosis of six months or less. To live. Now that doesn't mean that every patient I have dies within six months. Some actually live longer. Some might actually die pretty quickly. Some will last a week or so. Some will last a couple of months. Maybe you, like me, have recently experienced the death of someone you love. And me talking about it is taking you back. It's taking you back to that person. It's coming back to your mind right now. You had an empty chair this past Thanksgiving. You have an empty office at work, an empty space at work. And here comes Christmas and New Year's Eve. And again, we're going to have that emptiness, that empty spot at the table. How many of us have lost somebody recently? How many have lost somebody in the last couple of years? How many out there do you think also feel alone during this time? There's, a, there's some out there that just feel so alone during this time. The holidays can be a hard time. And that's one of the reasons I'm talking about this. Right now, because it can be a very difficult time for all of us that have lost somebody in our lives. And right now, I want to stop and just pause and honor those that we have lost by just having a moment of silence. During this moment of silence, I also want to ask you to pray silently for those that feel like they're alone. So can we just pause, bow our heads just for a minute or so, not even a minute. Honor and pray.
Thank you, familia. Dealing with death and grieving, especially the first year, is so, so hard, especially during this time right now with all these candles and all this Christmas tree de decorations can be so, so hard. My heart is with you. Our heart, City Tribe, is with you. You're not alone. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Joe, you're bringing me down, man. Talking about death. Nobody likes to talk about death. Why is that? Is it because it hurts? Is it because we have a fear of death? I just heard somebody say, I have a fear of having fear of death. Is it because we know deep inside that we are going to die someday? You know, there's a lot of these euphemisms for death that try to lighten it up. Here's some right here. Passed away, resting in peace, took their last breath, went to a better pace, bought the farm six feet under, kicked the bucket, pushing up daisies, taking a dirt nap, beat your maker, breathe his last, and the Christian one is with the Lord. And then people make fun of dying. They say stuff like, I'll get enough rest when I'm dead. Bury me with my boots on because I'm going to the rodeo in the sky. If I die in an elevator, press the up button. <laughs> Cremate me because I want to have a flaming hot body one more time before I die. Did you know that on average, a urn, an urn, you know, the jar, the little box you put ashes in, it can only hold a person up to 225, 222 pounds on average. So that means for me, I'm going to have an extra urn. My sister Michelle was telling me, Joe, maybe you can have those stackable urns. Your body in the bottom one, your head on the top one. <laughs> You know, fun aside, fun aside, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to navigate through death and think about the end of life. You know, in the medical field, we have an acronym, E-O-L, end of life. So even in the medical field, they try and stay away from death. E-O-L, end of life. And I want to encourage you to live with E-O-L in mind. Live with E-O-L in mind. Why? Because when you do, you are basically choosing to live. You are choosing to live when you live with this mentality Choose to live, familia. That's going to be our big idea today. Choose to live. Let me hear you guys say, choose to live. Choose to live. Back to my question. Have you ever thought about your own death? What if you were sick? What if you were sick and told you're dying? What would you do? What would you say? I want to encourage you to choose to live 
Again, I want to remain sensitive here because somebody may have, in fact, received a prognosis that your life is limited. Or you might, in fact, have a family member who's been given that kind of news. So I want to stay sensitive to that. That sensitivity is in my heart. I love you, familia. This is a hard conversation to have, but we're having it because I love you. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. Embrace it. Embrace the idea of living with the end in mind, with E-O-L in mind. There's a classic book that encourages us to live this way. Maybe you've read it. As a church, we read it a while back as a staff. And in this book from Stephen Covey, it says that second habit, right? It's the highly effective, highly effective uh, habits of effective people. And the second habit is to begin with the end in mind. Why do you think that is? Why begin with the end in mind? And actually in this book, when you get to this chapter of beginning with the end in mind, he's going to have you imagine what I just did with you guys. Going to a funeral home, hearing that organ music, seeing flowers, seeing friends and family members, and walking up to the front to that casket, looking inside only to see your face. He's going to have you go there. And he explains what it means to live with the end in mind. He says this, begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. It means to know where you're going so that you will better understand where you are now. And so that the steps you take are always in the right direction. So living with end of life in mind, E-O-L, right, in mind, gives you a better understanding of life, where you are. Gives you purpose to strive for. You know, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, actually speaks to living with this kind of mentality in mind. And I'm going to hold off on those words. I will share them with you, what he says. But right now, I want to take you to the bedside of somebody that's dying. I want to take you to the bedside of somebody that's dying. There's a story in the Bible, and actually this story, after I did some research and study, and this story is actually in the Bible three times, three different books. It's the, the story of Hezekiah's sickness. It's in 1 Kings chapter 20. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and it's in Isaiah 38. And that last one is going to be our key text. So if you guys would go ahead and stand up, let me read this particular text. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amaz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. As you sit down, Turn to your neighbor and say, live with E-O-L in mind. Go ahead. Sit down. Say, live with E-O-L in mind. Now, here's the thing. 
I just saw some of you, you had some sad faces saying that. So this time I want you to smile and say to your neighbor, live with E-O-L in mind with a smile. Okay, okay. You see what I did right there? Just like Pastor Doug, I might have hooked up some of you singles. After you saw those pearly whites, now you have a date. Live with E-O-L in mind. Just some context, a little context of this story. Hezekiah was a king of Judah. He was from the line of King David. King David was like his great-great-great-grandfather, right? So give you a little context. So what does E-O-L stand for again? End of life. Here's three points from this text that I think we can take from Hezekiah's illness. And to help us remember, I came up with ready, set, go. When I point to you, let's say ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. Here's the first point. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for end of life? Are you ready to realize that you are actually in those days, like it said of Hezekiah, it said in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. In those days. You know, scholars say that Hezekiah was about 40 years old. That's pretty young. That's pretty young. And in those days, he was struggling. Many struggles. The country was going to be invaded. So he had these struggles of another country coming in and attacking It was political struggles. And now on top of all that, he's having personal struggles with his body. He's sick to the point of death is what it says in the Bible. So if you can imagine how sick that has to be. But how many of us believe that our country is going through some struggles right now? Right? We might never know. Might have some type of not to scare anybody, wars and things. How many things we're going through political struggles? Oh yeah, big time, big time. How many have been sick? How many of you have been sick? Just about all of us. How many have been to so sick that you're like on your deathbed in the hospital? Okay, not so many, but a few. I want you to imagine being that sick. No fun. To the point of death, you're in your hospital bed. Here comes Pastor Doug or Pastor Pedro and here, or myself. We come over to do a pastoral visit, to visit you in the hospital and check up on you. And we say to you, instead of praying for you and encouraging you, we say, you know what? Set your house on order. You're going you're gonna to die. You're not going to recover. Dude. Or if you're a girl, do dead. <laughs> Set your stuff in order. Are you ready for that kind of news? That's what, that's what Hezekiah got from Isaiah. Here, let me give you a little statistic when it comes to death. Here's it is right on the screen. In 100 years, everybody that is 20 years old or older will have reached Sheol. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the grave. I get that statistic from the Bible where it says that God's going to limit our lives to 120 years. So if you're 20 years or younger, you might still be kicking. 
You never know. But I would, I would, it looks like just about everybody might be over 20 years old. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is it a coincidence that in that word, Sheol is E-O-L? Do you notice that? End of life. Is that a coincidence? Set is next. That's our second point. Set your house in order. Set your house in order. You know, while Ezekiah was given some shocking news, it wasn't like he died right there on the spot. So he had a little bit of time to set his house in order. Those of you that know this particular Bible story know that time was a factor. Those of you that don't know this story, I'm going to remind you of how time was a factor in just a little bit. But Hezekiah was given time to set his house in order. The Bible says, thus says the Lord, set your house in order. So he didn't die right there on the spot. You know, patients that I serve in hospice, they're basically told they're going to die. And for the most part, they have time, whether it's a few days, a few weeks, a few months, to set their house in order. Whether it's making funeral arrangements, taking care of some financial matters, resolving conflict in the family, extending and receiving forgiveness. You know, in hospice, I say that a good death is one where that kind of stuff has been taken care of. There's no loose ends, especially in relationships. Try to resolve conflict, make it a good death. Doesn't happen all the time. Actually, it doesn't happen all the time. I wish it did. Have some of you thought of some of those things? I basically told you you're going to die. Have you thought about setting your house in order? Have you worked on some of those things? Have you made a will? Have you taken care of some financial matters? Have you extended forgiveness? Have you reached out to that one family member, two family members that are estranged? Set your house in order. As I just told you from statistics that we're all going to die. I have time to set my house in order. You have time. God could be telling somebody today, if not all of us, to set our house in order. Ready, set. Our last point is go. Did you catch from our key scripture where Hezekiah went? There it is in the scripture at the very end. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He got some shocking news. He didn't ask any questions. He didn't ask Isaiah, pray for me. He didn't make a phone call, call the prayer team and say, man, I just got some bad news. Please pray for me. It says that he turned his face to the wall and prayed, went directly to God. Now, turning his face to the wall from the cultural context of that time might have been wherever he was at facing the temple. 
But I think that he was turning away from Isaiah, wanting to be alone with God. He went straight to God in prayer. You know, one of the things we say here at City Tribe is that when you're going through something, our first response is prayer. Our first response is prayer. Go to God in prayer. Something happens to you. Some crisis is going on in your life. Especially if you get told you're about to die. Go to God in prayer. Today I have metaphorically entered your room because you're sick to the point of death and told you that you're going to die. Are you ready? Have you set your house in order? Have you gone to God in prayer? Doing these things is choosing to live. My prayer is that you have been living with end of life in mind. Choose to live. Are you ready? Set your home and your house in order. Go to God in prayer. There's the, the summary of the three points. You know, after Hezekiah got that bad news, he prayed. And then it says that he wept bitterly. Look at the bottom of that scripture right there. He wept bitterly. Hezekiah wept bitterly. Scholars say that he was weeping bitterly because he knew that from the line of David would come a king that would be supreme and just change things as the king of Judah, as the king of Israel. And they say that maybe he was weeping bitterly because at this time when he was at the point of death, he did not have a son. And so therefore, being from the line of David, he thought, that's not going to happen. If I die, the line of David is going to end. I think it could be true. I mean, that, that could be true. I think that he got very emotional to the point of almost anger. A lot of the hospice patients I talk to will tell me stuff like he says in his prayer that he's been faithful. He's lived, we've lived a good life. And now we get this news that we're dying. How can a good God allow this? And they're angry at God. I think maybe that's what was going on too. That's why he was weeping bitterly. He got time to contemplate his death. Time, like I said, was a big factor in this story. God actually extends his life after he prayed. It says, then the, Lord of the, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go to say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. God heard his prayer. God hears your prayer. God hears your prayer. God sees you. God sees you. Sometimes our prayers will have God change his plans and somehow or another through his sovereignty, his plan still takes place. 
Go to God in prayer. See what happens. Might change things. And here's the thing with time, too. This particular story, after he was given this 15 years, God says, and to show you that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to do a miracle. It says, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun of the dial of Ahaz turn back 10 steps. So the sun turned back on the dial those 10 steps by which it, it had declined. So his dad, King Ahaz, had either built a device or brought in a device to the temple that could keep time with shadow, kind of like a sundial. Right? Not, it's nothing like this, but just to give you an idea. But isn't that a crazy miracle? Think about it. Think about it. As the day is getting longer, your shadow is getting longer. As it's coming to an evening, your, sun is, your shadow is just getting longer. Imagine your shadow getting shorter. What would it take? It would take God stopping the earth and making it spin in the opposite direction. Maybe even stop it from orbiting the sun. Think about that crazy miracle. That goes to show the power of our God. That is some crazy power when you think about that. Choose to live. Are you ready? Have you set your house in order? Go to God in prayer. Have you gone there? Choose to live, familia. Let me ask you. Let me ask y'all. What does ready, set, go remind you of? A race. Doesn't it remind you of a race? Ready, set, go. I mentioned at the beginning of this message that Paul said something similar to those words from Stephen Covey that says to begin with the end in mind. To live with end of life in mind. Paul said this. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach what? The end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul describing life as a race. And it has a race has an end. What would happen if you went on a race and you didn't know where it ended? You go on a marathon. Got to run 26 miles and you don't know where the end is. Are you going to get there? I don't think so. You're going to be running aimlessly. And God does not want you running aimlessly. I don't want you running aimlessly. So by focusing on the end, it gives your life purpose. You're choosing to live. Hezekiah ran his race with wholehearted faithfulness. He said in his prayer, I have lived with wholehearted faithfulness and I've done what is right in the sight of the Lord. Have you? 
Have you lived that way? Have I? Can we pause right here? Contemplate that? Can we pause? Can we bow our heads and contemplate that question? Have you lived with the end in mind? Have you run the race being focused on the prize? You know, if I'm honest, I have not always lived this way. And I sometimes still fail to live this way. And if it depended on me, I don't, I don't deserve that heavenly price. But the good news is that when we go to Jesus in faith, when we go to the cross through our faith and his grace, he sets our house in order. Jesus has taken care of business. He said it is finished. And by believing in him, we can truly, truly be ready. Are you ready? Choose to live. Perhaps there's somebody out there right now that needs to put their house in order this way. And by that, I mean, come to faith in Christ, in Jesus. You can choose to believe right now by just talking with God. We call that prayer. Just say something like, remember, it's not, nothing, it's not about this prayer. It's not about the words. There's no magical prayer. It's about your heart, where you're at in your heart. You can, in your heart, say, God, I need you. And right now, I choose to live by believing in your son, Jesus, that he died on that cross for my sin, that he was resurrected three days later so that I can have a relationship with you and live a full life now and in eternity. Father, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Thank you for setting my house in order. I choose to live, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. Pressing on to the end of the race to receive that heavenly price through Jesus. I pray all of this in his name. Amen. Amen, familia. Amen. Yeah, let's praise God. Praise God. Before I close today, I want to speak to a couple of things. First one is. What I just said about that I have not lived that way faithfully, wholehearted. I haven't lived that way all the time. And maybe there's somebody else out there that feels that way that you feel like, man, I've, I just keep, I fail. I want to tell you if you have some type of addiction, alcoholism, drugs, porn, lust, whatever it is. If you fail, get back up. Get back up. Choose to live. Choose to live, familia. We all fall short of the glory of God. And he still died for us. He still died for me, for you. Here's another thing I want to speak to. There might be somebody out there 
whether you're watching online or you're right here in the theater, there might be somebody out there that's feeling like life is not worth living. And it breaks my heart. You are not alone. I want to try and prove it. Right now, I'm going to ask our church to be bold and courageous by answering this question. Has anybody else out there besides myself ever felt suicidal, have those kinds of thoughts and chose to live by raise of hands? Anybody? Look around, familia. If you're feeling that way, you're not alone. Thank you, tribe, for being bold and courageous. Thank you. You are not alone. Choose to live. If you're feeling that way right now, if you still feel life is not worth living, I want you to make me a promise. I want you to make me a promise that you will choose to live. Choose to live. I want to ask you, all of us, to pray along with that person. Let's pray this prayer. Put it up on there on the screen. We're going to pray this prayer line by line together. Especially with that one that's choosing to live today. Are you ready? Set. Go. Let's pray. Father, help me as I choose to live. I want to be ready. I choose to live. Jesus, help me to set my house in order. I choose to live. Holy Spirit, help me to go to God in prayer. I choose to live. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Choose to live, familia. Thank you so much. Talking about choosing to live. Baptisms is coming. You guys heard? If you're all in for God, for Jesus, you're dying to the old way. You're raising up to new life. If you haven't been baptized, you can register. You can go talk to somebody at the Tribe Connect 10. Our prayer leaders, if you need prayer, they'll be up here. They'll be outside. Come to the prayer, especially if you're having that kind of thought where you feel like life is not worth living. Be bold and confess that. Share it. There's a statistic that when you share it, it's not going to happen. You're bringing it out. Share it with a prayer team member. We also have a couple of wellness champions. They're wearing this shirt right here. It says wellness champion in the back. Go out there and talk to them. Be bold. Be courageous. Thank you. As far as our giving, you heard Pastor Doug talking about tribal missions and stuff. Four ways we give right there on the screen through the little kiosk right here online through the mail, text. Thank you, Familia, for the way you give your generosity. Will you guys stand up if I speak a benediction? Go from here, Familia, choosing to live with the end of life in mind. Be ready. Set your house in order. Go to God in prayer. Life prevails over death. Choose to live. I love you guys. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, 
Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.